0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with a simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. So we have been working through this season of Advent. We've been working through this idea of unwrapping Christmas because for many of us, if we just go on default, we're going to to rush through this Christmas season with uh, schedules that are bloated, with uh, being more stressed out, being focused on just tackling all our to-do lists. And we we rarely stop and think about what exactly this season was meant to be for our souls, for our communities, for this world. And so we've been tackling this idea through uh, unwrapping a couple different names of what Jesus received in this Christmas narrative and the anticipation of who Jesus would be. The first week we talked about Jesus as Emmanuel. That What, what, we, what this means that, is that Jesus' name is that God is with us. That we can know for all of time... What happened on Christmas Day that God has a longing to be with you in all of your life, that God is with you. The next week we talked about Jesus as Prince of Peace. So what Jesus did when he came here was to bring about a new type of kingdom where he would be the prince and he would invite us into this kingdom that our our lives in this world would be reordered by who Jesus was and what this reign would would look like in this world. Last week we talked about uh, Jesus as uh, God incarnate the Word became flesh. And we talked about how scandalous it is that this infinite, all-powerful God became human, became knowable, became particular, so that we could know God, that in Jesus the image of the invisible God was made known to us, so we get to know God. And so this fourth Sunday, this final Sunday, we're talking about Jesus as wonderful Counselor. This title was given to Jesus in a word of prophecy, a foretelling of Jesus in Isaiah 9 through 6. If you have your message notes, feel free to pull them out. Uh, In Isaiah 9, 6, this is where this name came from. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I wanted to talk about Wonderful Counselor because in many ways, uh, I think this, this name might be misunderstood. I mean, we could read this story and kind of go, who's in need of a counselor today? Oh yeah, I mean, we are. A week ago, Jen and I really needed a, a marriage counselor. We had, a, we had something significant happen. We were getting out the Christmas decorations from the attic and something about for me de- de- decorating our home and christmas i just get kind of get amped up already There's a little bit of anxiety of clutter and glitter all over the home not a fan of either of those and so we were unpacking the attic and, and we were i was carrying these boxes these heavy boxes and jen was up in the attic with me don was downstairs cheering us on and something about it where i just was looking at her and i took a step and i totally missed totally missed the step and I went tumbling down the attic stairs with this box of ceramic, you know, Magi or something. And I hit the bottom of the stairs. And what you need to know about Jen, she's not here, she's in the kids, so I'm going to elaborate a lot. Um, what do you need about, there's a small percentage of the population that have, have this like nervous, nervous response when someone gets hurt. It's not compassion or sympathy, it's Laughter. She nervously will laugh at someone when they get hurt. It's an awful attribute. She hates it, but she unleashed it on me a week ago. As I was tumbling down the stairs, she immediately started laughing. My daughter, like, compassionate, Daddy, are you okay? And I look up, and Jen is just rolling around, just, and I get it. It probably is funny to imagine someone just step off and just disappear. Uh, So I look up at her, and I feel like my back has just been shredded all over these stairs. I look up at her. And I have the most like gracious response. Like that was a good --You guys would have been proud of me as your pastor. What can you do when you're hurting and you look up and your spouse is up in the attic? You shut the attic door, right? <laughs> See ya. And uh, I mean, I let it linger for like way too long. I, was, I was actually getting tickled. I was thinking about this scene and, uh, and uh, yeah, this scene right here, Chevy Chase being stuck in the attic for way too long and Christmas vacation. I imagine Jen pulling out our old film reels, but it would be over like a smartphone, right? It wouldn't be over that. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, we, we, uh, we need a wonderful counselor oftentimes. I, and I know that she was laughing, not because I was hurting, but she was laughing because I can probably, it's like been, like been building up for a long I can fall asleep in like two seconds. That probably is why she enjoyed that moment or the fact I get to drive away every morning. Or I never use a twist tie on a bag of bread, I, you know, just like most people. Just spin it, fold it, we're good. So she got it all out. And we're better for it. I, you know, I released her eventually. Uh, so we, many times we can think about this idea of a wonderful counselor, but what I found out as I studied more of this name of what does it mean it's a wonderful counselor is it's not like what, what we would think of as a wonderful counselor, like a therapist with like five-star rating on Yelp. Like this idea of a wonderful counselor is pointing us to something more. And I really want us to think about that this is what Jesus came to be and to do for us, is to be a wonderful counselor Counselor. First off, the word wonderful. The word wonderful is this Hebrew word pela, and it means powerful. It means beyond understanding. It means miraculous. And this makes sense, this idea of wonderful. It's something that causes you to be full of wonder and awe, to be awestruck and to be, to be surprised by its power. And so that's what this, this word's pointing to, this word pala, this word wonderful is found in this really interesting story about this man and woman, old in age, a- Abraham and Sarah. They were told that they were going, uh, they're visited by angels, and, and they were told they were going to have a child in a really old age. Similar to the Christmas story, angels coming to unlikely people and saying that you're going to be with child. This is, this is how they responded in Genesis 18. Starting in verse 10, then one of the angels said to them, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent like a creep, uh, and she was, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah, they were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh, but he said, Yes, you did laugh. They sound like they need a counselor. (laughs) So where in this story is this word, Pela, wonderful. It's actually in verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's this word right here, too hard. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is there, is there anything that's too big for God? It's like, you know, God was saying, this is what's going to happen. And it's like, I don't, I, it's just too hard to believe. God, you promised me years ago that we would have a son. And here we are. I gave up hope. It's been too long. No, I'm, I'm done with that idea. I'm done with that dream that you gave me. And then God comes and says, is this too big for me? Is that how you see this? Is this too wonderful for me? And there might be something in our life that maybe God would say the same thing for us, something we've been holding on to. And God might say, do you really believe that's too big for me? That that's too much of a challenge? That I'm not mighty enough for that? Is there anything too hard for me? So what this idea that Isaiah was trying to say about who Jesus would be is that Jesus would be a wonderful counselor, would be a miracle-working, powerful, mighty God who's come to this world. So 700 years before Jesus, that Isaiah was making this prophecy of who Jesus would be and that all of Jesus' life, he would be answering the question, is that too big for God? Over and over again, Jesus would be answering, it's not too wonderful for God. It's how Jesus lived out his life. So this wonderful and the wonderful counseling does not mean delightful, but it means miraculous, powerful. The fact that God can do for you what no one else can. This reminds me of, of a song that I sang in the small Baptist church in, in just north of Dallas where I grew up. There's power power, wonder-working power. That's who Jesus was. That's who Jesus would be. He would be a powerful Savior. Now, this is a great challenge for us because many of us are holding things to God right now and asking for God to move in power. And we're not getting the answer we want. And maybe we won't get the answer we want. That's why I'm grateful that it's a wonderful counselor. And the tension that we have, not only is God a miracle-working God, but he's a wonderful counselor. What does that word counselor mean? The idea of counselor is slightly different than what we experience today. The biblical idea of a counselor is not necessarily a really great active listener, but it's a a person you go to when you need wisdom. We need need to find out how to unpack this really challenging thing. You go to a wise counselor, this, this source of wisdom, and you turn to this person. And Jesus would be this type of counselor. Isaiah 11:2 2 would also prophesy about this coming J- Jesus, this coming Messiah. This is what Isaiah 11-2 two, two says. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. This is foretelling a counselor who would be the ultimate source of wisdom in our life, that Jesus would be a good counselor. When you have questions and you're not sure the way to go, you get to go to your counselor and there's this source of wisdom. And by the way, wisdom is different than intelligence. It's different than smarts. Wisdom oftentimes challenges our own understanding, flips it upside down. What's wise perceived in this world is not necessarily wise in God's eyes. And sometimes this wisdom upends things. It disrupts our understanding. But Jesus would come to show us the source of true wisdom. That is, as we know and deepen our knowledge of who Jesus is, we get to see the way to life, the path to significance, the discovery of joy. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to show us all of that. Maybe that's why over and over again, Jesus would simply come to people and say, you, come follow me. I got some some wisdom. I got some counsel. I want to show you some things. I want to show you how to experience life. This is important for us to know because uh, counseling doesn't work without a good relationship. For many of us we've tried counseling in our in our in our life like the our understanding of counseling and it didn't work because we try it out and it just wasn't a match wasn't a good relationship it wasn't a good fit the relationship is crucial for a trustworthy counselor you have to have a good understanding of who this relationship what this relationship is does this counselor have my my best at heart does this counselor really understand me Is this counselor accessible? Jesus came to be a good counselor for us, to initiate an incredible relationship with the ultimate counselor. This gives us this reminder that the greatest gift that God could ever give you is a relationship. That's the greatest gift that God wants to give you today in the season of Advent. He wants to give you a relationship with Him, the wonderful counselor. I love how these These different names, these two words play off of each other. Because wonderful makes me think of power and might and ability and strength. Jesus, how he lived the perfect life. He he taught with authority. He he showed us the way. He defeated the power of of death. He is truly wonderful. He's big. But then there's counselor. Someone who knows me. Someone who's going to walk with me knows my needs, knows my joys, knows my conflicts, and has supernatural insight into what I really need. Not what I want, but what I really, really need. I love how Jesus, he, he met people and, being a wonderful counselor. He knew what they needed to be restored. And that's what counselors do. So for the person who is disgraced, he gave them a new name. For the person who thought that they were untouchable, Jesus chose to heal them through touch. For people who were hiding out, He saw them hiding in a tree. He said, no, you're not going to hide out with me. Over and over again, Jesus knew the needs like a good counselor and exercised His wonderful power to show them life anew. Jesus would be a wonderful counselor a powerful, endless source of wisdom. That's who Jesus would be. That's why He came to this world 2,000 years ago. So, when I think about how Jesus showed me in my life the power the power of His counsel, my, my source of healing in my life, He did so through empathy. The ability to understand the experiences and feelings of others through a shared experience. You know that type of relief you have in life when, when you're carrying a burden, it's something really, really hard for you, you're carrying it, and, and someone just simply comes up to you and says, I've been there. I, I, know, I know what you're going through. You, you know the sense of like healing that's released inside of you. Even more so when that person says, not only have I been there, but I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm not, I'm not going to leave your side. We're going to get through this together. That's the kind of Savior that Jesus would be, not healing from a distance, not correcting things from a distance, but choosing to show us healing through his wonderful counsel, through, through empathy. After the time of Jesus, a letter was sent to a, a church in Jerusalem. Uh, this is why we have this, uh, this letter that we call Hebrews in our Bible, in our New Testament. And in that, they started talking about Jesus as the great high priest. Which makes me think of the wonderful aspect of Jesus' identity. The bigness, the almost removed part of the great high priest. But notice what it talks about when we realize we have a great high priest who can empathize. Look at this. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, in every way, just as we are yet he did not sin outside of committing sin jesus experienced the fullness of the human condition that's the kind of counselor he is he did he went through everything as a baby he was became a refugee as a young man he was misunderstood in the desert he was hungry during his ministry his family turned on him calling him crazy for money he was betrayed in the garden, He was let down by His sleepy friends. Crowds turned on Him. Pharisees mocked Him. And He was tempted in every way. Even on the cross, He was assaulted. He was stripped naked. The eternal, wonderful God of the universe can empathize with your life. Whatever you're going through, your counselor knows what it's like to even have weakness, to suffer alongside of us. So that we would know that our counselor is not going to let us suffer alone. He is a wonderful counselor. Now notice what happens when we really believe that, when we really believe that our counselor can empathize. Notice the effect of this. Verse 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need because we know our counselor can empathize, God wants us to experience his wonderful power, to experience his grace with confidence. We know that our counselor knows what it's been like to to be in our shoes. That's, That's the power of his healing, that he's been there. If the greatest gift that God wants to give you, even this Advent series in the season, is a relationship with you. I might be in your seat going, this is great, but how do I experience, how do I walk into this relationship? How do I really experience this type of relationship with this wonderful counselor? I just want to give you some, some steps for us to, to grow in. First off, do you need a counselor? Do you, do you believe that you really need a wonderful counselor? The first step is to acknowledge that you are in need of some wonderful counsel in your life. Do you need to be made whole this season? As you end up this year, you, do you have a longing to be, be healed, to be made whole? Unfortunately, many of us, we don't turn to counseling or to God until we are in a place of deep need. But even then, God's there. Even then, we can turn and experience the grace of God. The kindness of God is there's always an invitation to turn to Him with our needs. Even when we, even when we fail to acknowledge it over and over again, God is not tired of you. He will not cut you off. He will not give up on you. So are we actually in a place where we need a counselor? Uh, Jesus would often befriend the the worst of the worst in his community. And one time he befriended a man named Matthew who was a tax collector. He was a self-oriented, exploiting person who who just took from his community for his own need. And Jesus chose him to become friends. In Matthew 9, verse 12, Uh, people were asking, why is Jesus hanging out with Matthew? Why is Jesus at Matthew's home? This is how Jesus responded. Upon hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. It's not the healthy who need a counselor, but it's those who are in need. They're the ones that need a counselor. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Sinners. That's surprising. We would expect God to call the righteous. We would expect God to, to run to the holy. But what Jesus is saying, is actually those people who are in need, those are the people who get to experience the delight of the wonderful counselor. What degree today do you need the miracle-working presence, the endless source of wisdom from God? For those who are willing to say that I'm actually sick, I'm actually, there's brokenness in me and I, I, I need some healing. That's your first step to experience this beautiful relationship that God wants to have with you. God wants to give you wisdom. He wants to give you understanding. He wants to give you healing. Are you turning to him? Uh, James 1 5 says this I love this that God loves to give us wisdom James 1 5 says if any of you lacks wisdom you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you God loves it when we as as his children say I need some wisdom God I need I need some wonderful counselor he's going to give it to you do you need that in your life secondly do you give God your attention Do you give God your attention? So one is to acknowledge that you need it, but do you actually give God your attention? It's not not enough to know that you need a wonderful counselor. Are you building habits into your life? Are you building habits into your life where you're making space for your wonderful counselor? Another way to say it is, are you keeping regular appointments with your wonderful counselor? Is it on your schedule? Do you make it a priority? Is it on your calendar? You might ask, well, where is his counsel? Where's his office? I don't, I don't, is Jesus, does Jesus have a, an office I can go to here in Austin? Well, here are some ways that we turn to the council to, to discover significance to live well and to connect with deep joy to experience God. We, we, we study God in Scripture. We look to Jesus in Scripture, and that's where we, we find the instruction of Jesus. Uh, Th- Thomas was a disciple of Jesus, and he asked Jesus a similar question to that. And this is how Jesus responded to that in John 14, 5 through 7. Thomas said to, uh, said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. Right, we, we need some counsel. You're not telling us where you're going. Where are you going so we can know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. If we want to know where to see the wisdom of God, we look to Jesus. We find Jesus and there is the ultimate source of wisdom. We get to follow the life of Jesus. We we get to run the decisions we make in our life through through this lens of where would Jesus be? What would Jesus do? How would Jesus respond? We turn to Scripture and we look at the fullness of that. We look at the full wisdom of Scripture. We look at the whole counsel of the Bible and we see where is God teaching me To live. And what I love about the Bible, we get to learn from the mistakes from a lot of people. The Bible's full of a lot of flawed people who made a lot of mistakes. And even in that is the wisdom of God. And we get to understand how God responds and redeems gigantic mistakes. That there's not only a wonderful counselor, but a wonderful redeemer. Are you seeking counsel uh, in Scripture? Are you also seeking counsel in, in our space Uh, where we have silence and prayer. I think silence and solitude is one of the most important habits in the life of a Christ follower today. The reason why is because we live in a busy, noisy world. And what we need to learn to do with our relationship with with a wonderful counselor is to learn to listen, to be comfortable in silence. One practice I would commend to you is something called the daily examine. Uh, Within the Catholic Church, there's a branch of the Catholic Church called uh, the Ignatians, and they practice this. I think it's so wise. At the end of the day, they they have a time of prayer where they just allow God to walk them through their day. In a a posture of prayer, they play through their day wondering, what was God up to? God, what are you doing in this relationship? How come I responded that sharply to that person? Why is Jen still in the attic right now? But through this posture of prayer, we we play through our day, and we allow God to see where God is at work in our life. She's not in the attic, by the way. She's here. Um, So we do it through Scripture, especially through the Scripture of Jesus. We do it through silence and through prayer, making margin in our life where we actually learn to listen to the wonderful counselor. We also do it through community. We rely the fact that God is going to speak to us through relationships. That there's some wisdom that I'm going to need in this room. I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to listen to you. But I'm also going to listen to how God is going to speak through us as a church community. So we're going to be honest and vulnerable with each other. We're going to need to. We're going to need to rely on each other, especially people who have gifts of wisdom. We're going to need. We're going to need for you to speak up. We're also need like some of us need to actually turn to trained counselors. I'm grateful that we live in a day and age where the stigma of seeing a therapist, a counselor, is hopefully going away. Because we're broken. We are in need. I know for me personally, I see a spiritual director the first Wednesday of the month. I have a regular appointment. And I meet with a spiritual director, and he shines the light of the gospel into my life. We walk through my relationships. We walk through the things I'm struggling with. And as a spiritual director, he's also teaching me spiritual practices for me to integrate into my life. Why? I need a doctor. I need health. I want to be made whole. I want, I want wisdom in my life. So I believe that we're going to see God's wisdom in, in our community. This is why we need this. So are you, you're making space for your counselor, giving your, your counselor attention through Scripture, through silence and prayer, and through community. And finally, after we know we need God's counsel, after we have actively made space to give attention to God, finally, are you willing to follow his counsel? The last thing we need to do after we've been vulnerable and been honest, given our God our attention, and our, is what we need to do is actually give God our obedience. We need to do what the counselor instructs us to do. For many of us, what's impeding our growth and maturity is an unwillingness to change, is an unwillingness for, for God to mess with my life, to mess with my habits, to mess with my relationships. I don't want to change. I'm stubborn. But what I realize is if God truly is loving, if God really is a wonderful counselor, what, what this really comes down to is a lack of belief that I have that God wants the best for me. For me to be open-handed with my counselor and say, all right, God, here it is. Here's everything that's holding me back. I'm going to start following your instruction. And if we're going to live with the wonderful counselor, we need to learn to follow his wisdom. Follow his wisdom for our salvation, for our family, for our finances, for our future, for our other relationships. We need to follow his wisdom in all of our life to experience that wonder-working power. James 1, 23 and 24 says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. When we do the first and second step, when we've made space for God's counsel to be received in our life but we're unwilling to do it, it's like we have this sense of spiritual amnesia. We just forget who we are. Another way he says we never discover who God has intended us to be, like looking at a mirror and forgetting what we see. Jesus, your wonderful counselor, is the way, is the truth, is the life. We need to learn, learn to listen and to surrender ourselves to it. The only way that we'll be moved to do so is to realize that the one who's instructing us loves us. He loves us so much. That God's not withholding life from us. He's actually pointing us to life. The way he did that in its wonderful, beautiful, powerful mysteries that God came to be with us. So this Christmas season, even as you look for tomorrow night as we light this Christ candle, the one who is instructing us to life is for you. He wants the best life for you. He wants the best year for you. Turn to your wonderful counselor. Nothing, nothing's too great for him.